there's different things that we're good at that other people can't match, whether it be natural yeah. life circumstances or otherwise. So you got to find that, capitalize on it to make yourself bigger in your vertical. Hey, I'm your host, Kosh. This is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. This podcast was created to give artists the codes to build audiences, cash flow, and make a living doing what they love. Ultimately, the goal is to eliminate the starving artist. And on today's episode, I have this man right here. Nikon Poppy, also known as Wieldy Civil. That's me. So the first question I have for you, which is different from everyone else, is what is this name? Like, how, <laughs> what were your parents? What were they doing? What were they thinking about? How did that come about? My parents are, are creative folks. It's actually a, a mixture of my parents' names. That's how they got to Wildy. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, me and my siblings, we all had that E sound at the end of our names. And yeah. my father's name is Wilfred. So right. just through the D in there, we got Will D, and then here I am. So. What have you heard? What do people say when they try to pronounce your name? Oh, man. I get Wildy all day. I get yeah. Will D. I'm like, man, I didn't know it was that hard. I started sending my email signatures with, with the uh, pronunciation breakdown after my name. Yeah. Just in case. I'm like, come on. I need y'all to, to tighten up. That's good. No, that's great. I mean, that might be a better explanation than what I'm going to ask you. But I want to know, how would you describe yourself in one word? Organic. Okay. Organic. Nice. Yeah. And then how would you, for the people who are unfamiliar with you, how would you describe yourself in one sentence? I would describe myself as a multifaceted creative, if someone didn't know me. Like, I, I'm a multifaceted creative who has a keen eye for detail. That's good. You might want to put that in your bio if you haven't yet. <laughs> Got you. I'm going to rework it. And then the shirt. What does the shirt say? The shirt says, how much time... Have you spent worrying? It's my homie Dustin's. His brand's called Never There. I really resonated with the shirt because I, just like any artist, just like any person, I've struggled with like yeah. not knowing if I'm on the right path. And so I look down at the shirt and it reminds me like how much time I've spent not being on my path and focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah, for sure. And I want to talk to you about that too. So we'll get into that. Okay, cool. So let's get into this. When do you think that you had your first creative breakthrough? First creative breakthrough. That had to be early, like high school. I mean, I've been shooting for a long okay. time. So high school was like my first creative breakthrough where I was like, I'm going to do something different than what I started doing. And what did that look like? For me, I started taking photos of like flowers and landscapes. So my creative breakthrough was like me transitioning to photographing people. And photographing mm. people was a jump for me because I was an introvert as well. So mm. that was a breakthrough creatively, personally, like putting myself outside of my comfort zone to capture new things, you know what I mean? So from that point, so high school, I'm guessing you're close to age of 30 right now? Close to 30, I'm 27 years old. Okay, okay, so we're talking about like about 10 years, right, roughly? Yeah, I think it's gonna be 13. I think it's 12 or okay. 13 years it's about to be, yeah. I started when I was 14. Wow, okay. Yeah, even before me, I think I started at 18. Okay. Seven. I don't know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. This is about you. Give me like the story of how you got from taking photos of landscapes and people to traveling the world, working, being in brandy videos, being on an Old Spice commercial. Well, at least that's what you look like. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, the path has been nonlinear, man. You know, we've been friends for a couple of years now, but yeah. I think I just kind of jumped into the scene as it pertains to like Instagram and in Atlanta, but I was doing all of this way before. So mm. I started when I was 14, just needed a hobby, got into the photography world. And like I said, landscapes, flowers were my comfort zone. I wanted to just create things from nothing. That was the coolest part mm. about photography to me is being able to just capture something and that be able to move a person like I'm flipping yeah, through a yeah. magazine and I'm thinking how can I make that yeah and yeah. one of my one of my friends approaches me in high school and he's a rapper he's trying to do his thing and he asked me to shoot his cover and that was like my first cover way back mm. so I shot that cover for his mixtape and that was my first real experience shooting someone as a like lifestyle shoot and that kind of just sparked it in me it sparked mm. it in me that I could work with folks that I could help them style themselves I could scout locations it was like a crash course in 
the future that I live in now in my career. That was my first taste of yeah. it all. And so what did that do for you? Like when you saw that, obviously being able to create something from nothing, right? That was a big thing. But what was it that like resonated with you as you went through the process of doing that shoot? It was really, of course, like the literal sense of me working with someone and having to direct them and everything, especially being like 14, 15 years old. That was my first real experience with having power in a situation. Mm. Someone came to me and was like, you tell me what to do. As a kid, I feel like we're always driven. We're always led to places from a very young age where you got the lady telling you to walk down the hall with her. Like we're led a lot of places but I was finally put in the position where I was in charge. So he's like, what should I wear? Where should we go? And I'm thinking in my head, like, damn, where should he go? I didn't really know, but it was cool to be able to have that sense of leadership and lead my client before I was even calling them clients, lead them to a place where I was responsible for making a product. Yeah, that no, that's incredible. So, okay, so we have that and that's like the start. And then what was you talking about being an introvert? So obviously you started with the photos and that helped you like kind of, I guess, get out of your shell. But how did you become this guy in Atlanta? Because people know about you in Atlanta and on the scene, like you mentioned, like being there. What I saw before I met you, what it seemed like was you were just out here shooting photos, giving them to people and like building a brand like that. Is that sound about right? Absolutely. Yeah. I was just making moves, man. I mean, before I was even old enough to get into the clubs and the venues that I frequented that you met, met me at, the events, I was just popping out. And so I would go to different events and I'd bring my camera and i just get to talking to people. Photography mm -hmm. gave me the confidence to go beyond my introversion. And it was like a security blanket, but at the same time, it was like a hot knife through butter when it came to connecting with folks. Like I would be nervous so I'd be like, hey, you got a dope look. You mind if I take a photo real quick? And I'd take the photo and I'd show them. That, and if they were like, yo, that's dope, it would give me more confidence to be like, yeah, mm -hmm. by the way, who are you? What do you do? And they'd tell me, like, this is what I do. I make music, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now we're cool. And you build those blocks of connections and friendships. And I never even knew that the people that I was friends with years ago would be somebody today or that my networking skills back then would help me so much in my current career. But for me, it was just very lucrative to have an experience where I could be extroverted. It helped me a lot personally, helped me a lot in my career. And would you say you're still introverted? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm an introvert by nature. I'm an ambivert. I'm, a, I'm both. Yeah, yeah an extroverted introvert, but I definitely am an introvert. I love spending time by myself. I love to, to do solo activities, but I also love mm -hmm. hanging out with folks. But there's like a social meter, you know what I mean? I could yeah. be the center of attention in the room, and as soon as I leave, I'm in the crib watching anime, just vibing, and that's just as good for me. Yeah, it seems like a commonality between photographers. Like, I interviewed another photographer and she was talking about anime too. I'm not an anime person at all. So, but that's dope though. No, that's really cool. So, okay. So help me understand as you were like doing this in Atlanta and you were like building your name and really, I think building your kind of online presence just as much as anything else. What do you think you failed at as you built that? I feel like with any artist, the main portion of trying to grow is just putting yourself out there so as much as I could talk about how I overcame that introversion and stepped outside of myself and did great work and great networking things I was still very much in that box like I wasn't the person who was going to go the extra mile in a lot of situations to make more connections so for example when I get emails like emails give me so much anxiety and it was even worse when I was younger. There's probably so many opportunities that kind of just sat in my inbox because I would see an email and I'd be like, oh, God, like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can reply to this. There's a lot of words. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of business acumen I haven't accumulated yet. And I would just let them sit there. I've said it before on a previous panel I spoke on, but you don't really have the luxury of being that way as a creative. You don't really have the luxury mm -hmm. of being yeah. introverted, be staying out the way because people come to you for that strength as a creative. They come to you for the opportunity to be greater than who they are in this moment. So if you're both introverted, nothing's gonna get built. 
But if you can find it yourself to step outside yourself and be the person that they're looking for, then you can help them do the same. And that's how you create great art. Yeah. How do you, <laughs> so I want to circle back on that email point a little bit by letting it sit there. You were making a decision that you weren't going to do it. So right. what was it that you were most hesitant about or most afraid of? I mean, a little bit, you talked about like business acumen, but it was like, if I say this, then I'm going to not get this. If somebody's reaching out to me, like, what was that? Yeah. So I think it was what I was talking about earlier about shooting the mixtapes. Like you, you're being put mm -hmm. in a position of power. Cause a lot of times when a client approaches you, they're looking to you for, as an expert, I need this done. Tell me what it is. And if you don't know, you have to look it up, but then there's that anxiety of, am I saying the right thing? Am I capable for doing the, of doing this mm -hmm. job? Like applying for a job on Indeed or LinkedIn that, that you don't necessarily have the skill set for. You want the money, but can you create the product that they want? Are you the person that they need? And so that's where that anxiety kind of came from. I want to do the studio shoot. We're going to need three photographers. We're going to need lighting. We're going to need X, Y, Z. And I'm like, I don't know if I can <laughs> do that, man. The money sounds good, but the anxiety outweighs the opportunity. So I had to get over that. I had to really step into my confidence as a creative and get over that fact of running away from emails, running away from opportunities that felt bigger than where I was currently at and respecting that they came to me for a reason and leaning into that. It was where you were supposed to be. It was right on time, whether you believed in yourself or not, right? It was like, we're not offering you this opportunity because we don't think you can do it. Yeah. That wouldn't be an email, right? So how did you step into that confidence? What did you do? What changed? One thing I like to do is over the years, I've done a lot of personal shoots. Like I tried to yeah. put together campaigns earlier in my career, even in high school. Like a lot of things that people do now, I did when I was younger. And so that's why you don't see me doing some things that people suggest. Like people are like, you should have a team of models. You should have like a little agency. I'm like, bro, I had a team of models in high school. This is stuff that I don't talk about because this is all before y'all knew me. I had a team of models. We would put together like photo concepts and campaigns. I did an all denim concept where I shot all women in their favorite jeans. Mm. It was called Femme Denim. I've done different projects where I shot streetwear in nature when I was younger. This is between like 14 and 18. So by the time I was 18 to 21 going to the city, I had like already done that. I was burnt out on doing those kinds of things. But that helped me build confidence. If I, if I did it on my own and if someone called me was like, yo, I want to do a concept where I shoot jeans or I shoot like a lifestyle concept or campaign. I'm like, bet, I've done that. My mind is already in a place where I know that's something I can accomplish. And I know I can do it for you now. Yeah, no, that's just, so it's like creative confidence comes from execution. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. What age are we at this point when it's like, when it's like, okay, Nikon Poppy is starting to become a name that people recognize in the community of doing X, Y, and Z. What, where are we at this point? What year is this? How old are you? Well, I've come so far, I think in a fairly short amount of time. Cause I mean, when we talk about when you start, when you first pick up something, it's a lot different yeah. than when you first start taking it seriously. So starting at picking up a camera at 14, really running a business post high school at 18 to 21, and then really hitting my stride as Nikon Poppy, probably around 21 to 23 ish. Now you could say for the last four years, strong four or five years, I've been this person, this figure, this persona who's grown the talent in this creative space to, to be whoever I want to be, but I still have so much more to do. Like I yeah. want to go further because content is now such a viable career. And it wasn't yeah. when I was growing up, like when I was a kid, it was like, okay, I'll be a photographer. I had aspirations of working for Nat Geo and things like that. But as I got older, and I'm sure you can yeah. attest to this on your own, yeah. the world has opened up to us, man. Like you could be a content creator full time. I don't even have to work gigs yeah. with clients. I could just be on the gram doing content and that's a career. I could do creative consultation because I've done so many jobs. My client list has gotten so long over the years. I could do that, but I don't just do it for the money and I don't just do it for the status of being a more well-known Nikon Poppy. Like I do it because I enjoy content. So I do yeah. continue to take on gigs and take on new opportunities that I've never done or things that I haven't done in a while that I want to revamp. 27 for me is still early in the game of where I could go yeah. in the future. Like, what do I look like at 30? Three years from now, what am I going to be doing? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, that's really good. And even like you were talking about growing up, it wasn't a career. I would say even when you were in high school, even when you 
got first got out of high school, like it still was kind of like this thing. I feel like it's just now becoming a thing that people are widely accepting, which is kind of crazy to even say. I think things kind of happen in 10 year increments. That's what I've been like noticing. So it's this might have came out, this might have started 10 years ago, like heavily, but like people didn't really accept it for 10 years. So you kind of have to find like where that edge is for you. And I mean, obviously, we both were able to find that, which is dope. So I want to understand because you talked about that long client list and being able to like coach other people or mentor them or consult them, right? It's like, what strategies or systems did you use to acquire those clients and to build the career that you're building? Yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do to approach like proper networking, of course, Ideally, the best way to get out there is to get out there. Don't just try to do everything from your computer. Really go to these events. And we see each other at these events. Yeah. And a lot of times it just looks like a fun time. But you might be sitting next to a person who runs the whole alcohol scene in the city. You might be sitting next to someone who has an upcoming brand. It's the hottest brand in the city. And the only way you're going to know is if you get to talking. So word of mouth, rubbing shoulders is always going to be the best way to do it. And that's what I've done. But I do have a background in marketing. Like a lot of people don't know I went to school for business marketing. So I do have a degree. A lot of times you saw me in the city between 2013 and 2018, I was in college. I was going to these events and I would have class in the morning. None of y'all knew at all. So like I didn't really have a lot of time to just be in the streets nonstop. But word of mouth has been really good to me. But nowadays, content is so powerful that you can do all that from your computer. You can do that from your phone. Mm -hmm. Instagram's algorithm is pretty much going to show you everyone who works in your same vertical. But you got to use other ways to find people who are doing things that you want to do. Like use hashtags, find new businesses. And those are ways that I've found clients and how clients have found me, like using these hashtags tagging people, being intentional about who you connect with. Not just everybody that hits you up deserves your time. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of people that hit you up and they're like, let's work, whatever that means. So I want to know, give me some of this. Give me some of these like secrets, right? Because you're talking about the networking piece and you're talking about the content piece, which is like everything that you do. So Mm -hmm. what is something and I'll share mine, but what is something that you felt like was like a game changer like maybe it was like a simple thing or a mindset shift or something that just kind of took it there for networking or just like my career yeah or both yeah for both really for marketing networking together or either or it really doesn't matter whatever you felt okay so for me i feel like the best thing is to find your niche within the niche like Something that you can do that other people can't do, right? So I'll give an example of myself, and then you got to figure it out on your own. But for me, when I started doing photography, there wasn't as many photographers as there are now. I mean, now we got a lot. But back then, there was only a set amount of people. So what I would do is I would go to these events, right? And there would be somebody working it, but their turnaround time would be like three days. Mm. So I'd go... I'd shoot the event as if I was working the event and then I'd do it that night. And then I'd send it to the client before they even got a chance to get it done. Or if I couldn't get it to the client, I would send it to the people that I made friends with at the event. So before they even had their event photos done, my content's already circulating in the market. So all that to say, my niche became my turnaround time. It still is like speed can was my niche. And event photography is the overarching niche. Okay, I'm an event photographer, but I have the fastest turnaround. Because we can all do the same job, but we all have unique talents and unique capabilities or just a unique time in general. You might not have time to get that done tonight because you got to go do something in the morning. I got time. I can get it it done. You know what I mean? And that can be the difference between you getting the next job and someone else. What made you, like, approach it from that standpoint? Was this something you saw growing up? What what made speed your differentiator? What made you want to do that? I think I've always had a an affinity for focus when it came to things that I really wanted to do. Even as a child, I grew up playing soccer. I'm pretty good at games, like video games. And so I realized that if I really put my mind to something, I could get it done. And I saw that wasn't the case for a lot of people. Like I know a lot of photographers who are like, yo, I get done with the job. I got to go home and rest. I got to eat. 
I might not touch a plate till 3, 4 a.m. because I got home and I immediately got to work. Like, I had class in the morning. Y'all went on to the next after-hour spot. I went home around 11 o'clock and I stopped editing at 3 a.m. because I sat at the computer for four hours straight knocking out those photos. But that's not everybody's mindset. And that's not any shade, but I just think that not everybody can sit there and do something the way that you're going to do it. You can sit there and just knock something out. That focus was my superpower at that time and still is. So there's different things that we're good at that other people can't match, whether it be natural life circumstances or otherwise. So you got to find that, capitalize on it to make yourself bigger in your vertical. Yeah, no, that's great advice, man. Thank you for sharing that. I feel the same way with focus. Like I can just go and not even eat. It's scary. It's yeah. you, know, you need to eat like you're tripping. Is there anything else that you would share like in terms of just if we want to talk about content, right? So we're talking about speed, right? And my opinion is for what you're doing, speed is really important. But I think what I tend to share when I consult creative people is they tend to think that they can't put an old piece of content out or it's old to them. Mm. And I'm like, bro, nobody's ever seen it. So that would be like my kind of give and take on that point. But do you have any strategy around content other than hashtags? Do you think that would help people at this point? I think following trends is really popping right now. If you can rework a trend, not even just like doing exactly what someone else does, but reworking a trend is powerful. Cause if you'll notice like, when you go through different audios specifically, like you'll see like more nail techs are using this audio and more people are like mechanics are using this audio, but then there'll be like a couple videos where someone will jump in and I wish I could think of one audio off the top of my head, but someone will rework that sound like the chicken salad audio. It's a chicken salad. I don't know what the original thing was for that, but people in different kinds of work are now using the chicken salad thing. And it makes sense because they reworked it. Like, you got on a new fit. What you got on? It's like, it's a chicken salad. I just took a new photo. I just did this new campaign. This is a chicken salad. So you have to be adaptable. Like, you have to be versatile in the way that you think about your content. Just like what you're saying about reworking old stuff that no one's ever seen. It's not just posting it, but being able to analyze a new audio and be like, let me chop and screw this to make sense in this new market. Because that audio that you used last month, it might not be it might not be it anymore but today you can rework that into a whole new thing you can really use the same video four times with different audios and chop it different ways yeah that's the world we live in right now yeah no that's really good and also what i've seen is i like to do three months like a 90 day thing so if i posted it 90 days ago i can post it again so i just go back and i look at the content that performed really well and i'm like yo, 90 days ago, this did well, or maybe it didn't. And I can just post it again and see if it does well. Right. And so it eliminates some of that burnout of having to create something new all the time. But I know you kind of moved into like, definitely into some paid sponsorship ad type arena. So can you speak to how that came about for you and like how you transition from somebody who was afraid of responding to emails to like doing paid gigs i could definitely speak to that because that's been a major focus for my year i'll be super transparent about how that even happened so that other people can know that it's not just big wigs and like popular people that get these opportunities so what happened was the point i was making earlier about not responding to emails i've been doing that for years like there (laughs) so many emails and if you have even a little bit of juice online you'll get emails like, hey, I want to collaborate with you on this. Hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. Right. So I've had those emails coming in for years. And I'm sure most of us, if you look, there's a couple in there, right? So when I started like mid last year, late last year, and then top of this year, when I started the year, I went back, even if the email was like three years ago, I just put mm. all those emails in a pile and I just responded to everybody. And I was like, yo, my bad. It's been a minute. I know. I'm sorry. Can we collaborate? Are we still, are you doing anything new? What are you doing? Just being very intentional, like I said, about who I connect Mm -hmm. with. These are the brands I want to work with. Let me respond back. Boom, boom. A couple people hit me back. A couple Mm -hmm. people hit me back. I'm talking about two years Mm -hmm. ago. They're like, yo, no worries. I understand how it is. Anxiety, boom. Yes, we're doing another campaign. Let's connect. Let me get you in touch with boom. And we made it happen. Mm-hmm. So now I'm connected with these brands and I started doing campaigns with Goldie Nutrition. 
Nord Green, which is a watch company based out of Copenhagen, Denmark. I did a couple things like that. And as the brand started to see, like, I was back in my bag, they were like, okay, let's send right. more work. And not right. just to put it up, but, like, the work was good. I wanted to yeah. make sure that I was getting out quality stuff. So, like, the work was really good, and more people started to see it, and they just started sending me emails. Because I'm not even mm. at the point now where I'm emailing people. Like, people just email me. I'll get a DM and stuff like that, or I'll get, get an email from a brand, and they're like, yo, we want to work with you. Can we talk about the scope of work? Can we talk about the budget? And now I got that confidence because I've done it a couple of times. Yo, this is what I need financially. This is what I want to do concept-wise. Talk to your team. Get back to me. Let's get on the call. Get back to me. Can we get on a Zoom? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah, that's how that has come about. And it's really afforded me a lot of opportunities to work with big brands. I did even like non-brand related stuff with a music video which I was connected to through a friend of Victoria Wagner, who runs Kevlar Rose. She casted me for mm -hmm. that. I know Victoria. Yeah. yeah. So just being open-minded, putting out the content, showing my face. A lot of photographers don't show their face. Has done really well yeah. for me, man. There's no real secret sauce to it, aside from consistency, charisma, and intentionality. But that's how I got into that paid partnership space. And I'm looking to move into more of that next year. Like next year... I'm going harder because I feel like I've been, even I feel like I've been dropping the ball. I'm going even harder next year. So. And what do you think for next year going harder looks like for you? I'll take, I'll keep some of it close to the chest. Going harder really just looks like being a brand mm -hmm. being like right now. I think I'm, I am the brand and I'm living the lifestyle. Like y'all are watching the lifestyle in real time, but <laughs> there's a difference between what I'm doing and then, like, the Mary-Kate and Ashley's on YouTube who are like, hey, guys, welcome back to... Yeah. And it's funny because it's a format that works. At the same time, like, that is the build yeah. that they want to see to show the product. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know that you could take whatever product, put it in that box, and it's going to make you money because right. it's a consistent format. It's a template that works. It's a model. True. Yes. But yeah. we can do better because we are right. on the cutting edge. You and I... People in that right. people like us, we can do better than that by creating a new version of that box. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm working on developing is making a better version of that box to be very unique, to be very organic, to be very black and still have that format mm -hmm. that gets people excited about wanting to work with me. No, that's good, man. Innovator. That's what I would say. So yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot. Okay. You said something specifically about the model and them wanting the model right so okay if we're talking about this model that people are looking for how do you navigate being like you said i want to make it more black i want to make i want to be the brand i want to be uh, a personal brand really because that's what it's more so than just like you doing the content right that's more of an agency style thing how do you navigate that space at the same time deliver on the assets requested but this is the hardest part and this is the part that i feel like I, I talk to a lot of people who come up to me i'm usually very available to, to discuss things especially in person if you catch me working or something and that's one of the things that a lot of people come to me about is like how do i come up with the concepts and what am i doing specifically and it really varies a lot from person to person but it comes back to finding your niche it comes back to what's your turnaround time like what can you do within the initial parameters that somebody brings you. And of course, you just have to have a creative mind. But I think yeah. anybody can input themselves in the content. So for example, I did some work for Sweetgreen and Kava a couple, maybe last year, but they didn't have any parameters. So it was really mm. whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. You could, I could have gone in and did like a food review. I could have gone in and interviewed people about their experience. It doesn't really matter. But what is it that you feel confident doing? But what, so what did you end up doing? So for me, my style is basically, I want to, I want to just live through the content. I want to take y'all with me. That's how I like to do it. So I walked in, I got the whole spot and I showed people where I was at, got my food. I like to show myself enjoying the process, the brand. And I just chopped and screwed it into a reel, man. That's what I love mm -hmm. to do. I love to show my life. I don't like it to feel too corporate, too sterile. But it could be anything you want. If you're a specific kind of person, put yourself in there. If you're a music artist, find a way to put the music in there. Maybe make the score. 
for the real. Yeah. Maybe you take it back home and you're eating while you're playing your instruments or you know, like there's multiple versions of you and they're doing different things. And one of the versions is eating some sweet greens. I can't tell you what that is. I can't tell you what that special sauce is going to be, but I can tell you that's what's going to make the difference between them going to you and going to the next guy. Like not everything has to be super, like when I talk about being very black in my content, not everything has to be like super, everything is about the black <laughs> black person it, don't ha it doesn't have to be that for them to understand yeah. like people of color matter to them to right, understand right, right. that atlanta is a unique market because we have black voices and because we have black content it's not about yeah. making it so we're boxing everybody else out but just showing that it doesn't have to be cookie cutter mary kate and ashley it can be unique <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love that that's your reference point i was gonna say i was gonna say hollister billboard but yeah yes. but even them too and so this is something that i try to consult and tell people is like everybody is looking for the the allyship with black people and yeah. so if you feel because i'm seeing that even like i brought up hollister i'm like i'm in lennox mall and i'm looking at the hollister story and it's like black people on the house and it's like when has this ever been the case right so it's i think for the black creatives that are watching it's like find brands that you feel comfortable with using your diversity clout i guess yeah. for lack of a better term or blackness right or blackness feel comfortable doing that and then do you have any points to speak to that because i'm not black so maybe you have something that i don't for sure that is very important i know many people are super intentional about working or not working with like certain people in particular and I've done the same mm. obviously I'm not going to name anybody but if I go <laughs> if I get an email and they're like yo I'd love to collaborate with you like I see your audience is very cool I'd love to connect and then I go on your page let's say it, I'm like I'm trying to keep it ambiguous but I go to your page yeah. it's like food like your fried chicken brand okay that, that might be black but then I go on your page and then every person eating the fried chicken in your ads is a white person yeah yeah like, that's concerning. Yeah. Yeah, it's concerning. And it yeah. makes you think, like, why are you here now? Right. Of course, you want to be the right. difference. I want to be the person that blazes the trail for, for Black creators and Black people to be able to work with various brands. Yeah. But I also don't want to be a scapegoat for a brand trying to find that allyship, like we were talking about, to be in the community. Oh, we got Nike on Poppy, yeah. so... You know, right, right. we got that check. We're good. We're invited to the cookout. No, it's, it's more than just who right. you work with. It's how you work with them, what you pay them. Yeah, dude. Come on, keep going. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> the terms and conditions, the yeah. back end royalties, like yeah. All, yeah. all of it, all of it. The contracts. I even, I think early COVID, I had to stop working with a brand because I noticed that like it was just all white. And I was like, I can't promote this. Like, I know this helps people and I use it and it's helpful, but I was like, mm -hmm. I can't promote this because my audience is mainly black people. So I'm mm -hmm. doing those people a disservice yeah. by doing that. And they trust me and I trust them to trust me. So I have to like just dead this, even though I know the product works, but it's like, you have to include, you have to be willing to include people of other communities in what you're doing or else yeah. this is kind of segregated marketing and I'm not going to be a part of that. Yeah. yeah man. And that goes back to what I was saying about being your brand. It's not all about yeah. a check flat tummy. Yeah. I know you remember the flat tummy. <laughs> Yo, they were just cutting checks. Like anybody that would for everybody, everybody. And yeah. we're talking about half a million million dollar checks to the big people, but you have to be intentional because this is your brand that you're promoting. Like if I work with someone that is noticeably bad or is anti-black or something, mm. my audience is going to be like, yo, what are you doing? Yeah. So you, ha you have to make that a point to do your audience correctly and provide them brands and products that you know are going to be solid, not just people who are cutting you a check. I love that because it goes back to the personal brand, like you said, but the personal brand needs to be an extension of you, in my opinion. So it's like, how do I show up as myself and lead by example as i would lead being me and then find the people that align with that right because there's an audience for everything but it doesn't mean you have to align with everyone and just do it in a way that's not hateful i don't think it's that deep in that regard so yeah and people underestimate how important keeping your brand clean is I'm mm. not a, I'm so not speak a on that <laughs> 
Yeah, speak on that because that's crazy. Yeah, man, you have to be you have to be on your best behavior. I understand we all want to have fun. You want to do your thing. Like certain states, certain things are legal, and other states they're not. Like you might not be able to smoke on your page if you want to work with certain brands. That's what it is. And I know people will think, well, I want to be true to who I am. Like, how important is being true to yourself (laughs) versus having a career? You wouldn't smoke in the office. So maybe yeah. you shouldn't do it on Instagram either because I treat this like my office, man. I treat it's a Instagram business. like work. It's a business. It's yeah. not just the LLC. But you got to look at it like that. You have to because this is what people are looking at. I mean, I can't tell you how many email threads, Zoom calls I've been on. They're like, yo, let me see Instagram. I want to mm. see your portfolio. I'm like, damn, you don't even mm. ask for the website anymore. They want right. to see your Instagram. So if they're going on Instagram and it's looking 3-6 Mafia on there with Khalifa tour bus, they're like, man, I can't work with this guy. For sure. It doesn't align. No, I'm uh, glad you brought up that point. I, am I cutting you off? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, okay. So I'm glad you brought up that point because Scooter came on the podcast weeks ago and we talked about this and he was like, yo, we were going to get a six-figure contract and <laughs> they went back and looked at Scooter's tweets from 10 years ago and they were like, I don't know if we want to work with you anymore. So I totally get that. And I think to your point about saying, I want to be true to myself. The question is, why can't you be true to yourself outside of Instagram? It doesn't mean that you have to put everything that is you. I mean, I wouldn't recommend anybody does that, but (laughs) you don't have to put everything that is you on Instagram. Right. And even when you talk about these social media things and they're not even looking at the website, that was a post that was like real controversial for me. I was like, you don't need a website anymore. And people were like, yes, I do. And I was like, okay, if you yeah. do, if it works, then don't break it. But mm-hmm. a lot of people don't need it. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, man. It's up to you. It's up to you to decide what feels right and what works for your clientele, your path. Um, you might yeah. not need a website, but that's even more reason to keep it clean. If you don't have a website yeah. and this is the first place they're coming, Make sure that they see what they need to see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I only have about two more questions for you. The first one is, what do you think is the biggest misconception that black creatives have about the type of work that you like creative work? I feel like content creation as a whole is very, in general, misconceived, like to Mm -hmm. what it is, what it is that we do on a regular basis. A lot of people get into the space and immediately they're thinking like, who is the biggest artist I can work with? And that's not how you stay in the game. That's not really where you make money. Like, how many free jobs do I have to do for a celebrity before I get rich? And the answer is (laughs) zero. Because it's not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. Even if you land the biggest artist, you're not going to get rich. Because it's not about who you work with. It's how you're working with them. That makes all the difference. There's a reason why you as a photographer shooting for the biggest artists in the world get paid this much. And the person that might dress them, the person that drives them, the person that manages them, the person that books them for a venue are all getting paid like this. And it's because the respect for what you do is Mm -hmm. minuscule. It's not the person you're working for. It's how you evolve your craft. What are you doing? And that's what I had to do personally. So I know a lot of folks will meet me and they're like, oh, you're that photographer guy. And I have no problem with people perceiving me as that. But I also have to keep in mind to remind them, like, I do content creation and marketing. That's where I've grown to because it's not just photos anymore, man. I work with brands. I work with people who need help building a brand. That's way beyond just taking a few photos and sending it to you on Google Drive. I (laughs) I can help you post this. I can help you take the photo. I can help you edit the photo. I can help you post the photo strategy rollout. I can help you find a graphic designer. I can get you a team who can film a video. I can get you social media management. I can Mm -hmm. do your social media management. Mm -hmm. I do so many things, but it's difficult to explain all that unless you're talking to somebody. It's difficult to be all of that and package it. So that's a challenge that I'm currently trying to overcome. Is like, how do I explain all that I am while also not putting myself in a box? So that's a misconception about what I do. It's like, how great or not great it is, like, as far as what someone's doing. Like, what are they doing? You have to ask. And we have to get better at explaining what our capabilities are. You take that one sentence that you told me in the beginning of this podcast and you put that in your bio. And then everybody knows 
Wait, no, but for real though, like, I'm so glad that you said that. And that was just like bars, man, like real. I just wanted to mute myself so you could keep talking because it's building complementary skills and then being able to communicate what you do in an elevator pitch, like a one sentence, so that people understand what you just said. I can do this, but I'm not just this, right? And I love that you brought that up because it's really what I see. And I saw this recently and it made me laugh. It was like, I went on somebody's Instagram and it was like their titles and it was like singer, songwriter, doula. And I was like, that's really confusing. I don't know if you do music or you help children get born. So, but I see that so often. I see so many creative people just like listing their bullet points on their resume in their bio. How can I expect you to be an expert at marketing and content creation if you're telling me that you cook, you bake, you paint, you flip on trampoline, like you're all these things. It's like, how do I know what you actually are? And so I'm really glad that you just brought that up. It's just really helpful, I think, because people don't think about that enough. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I think it is an important piece of the puzzle. You can pick anything that you want to do, but the best thing that you can do once you have that is learn how to explain it. Yeah, communication. That makes all the difference. Yeah, it makes all the difference. The elevator speech, the elevator pitch of who you are, but not corporate, really who you are. You get that question from time to time, and I feel like it always throws us off. What do you do? And you're like, "Ah, I don't know. Yeah, I do so many things. Yeah, I don't know. So getting better at mixing that into a legitimate sentence that makes sense, whether it's one sentence or a paragraph that you can just spit out on command, yeah. That makes a difference between someone knowing who you are and not. Yeah, facts. And I think also, like you mentioned in the beginning about niche, it's like people come to you for that niche. So you're like, I don't mind people calling me a photographer, but I have these other skills. But the what I've seen happen a lot in creative industries is, yo, if you come to me and you trust me to do this and I do it right and I like show up for you and I make it happen, then usually you're going to ask me like, so how can you do this too? Can you get me that? Also, can you also post the photo and not just send it to me on Google Drive, right? So, so yeah, man, just thank you again for sharing that. My next question, though, is how do you make money doing what you love? Like, this is a general question, but it also pertains to you directly. Like, how do you make money? Yeah. Like, Uh, just giving people some, like, ways to think about, like, different revenue streams, basically. Well, if you're going to make money as a creative, the first thing you have to do is monetize your skills. What are my Mm -hmm. skills and how do I monetize it? And then how are you going to charge for that? So, for me, it's I work very fast. So, maybe charging hourly isn't the ideal format for me to make money. But other people, it's like maybe their work takes a long time, so you do want to charge hourly. But it can vary. It can vary greatly when it comes to content creation. So I make reels, I do photo shoots, I do consultations, and all of those things can be charged hourly for. So I can invoice people hourly based on the projected amount of hours that work would take. I have enough data Mm -hmm. to be able to understand what that number is. But you can also just put all that stuff, I can put that into a package. If it's a bigger client, I can put that into a package that, look, you're going to need 20 hours of my time. And I can give you, I can give you a photo shoot. I can give you a content rollout in that period that we're working together. I can give you a consultation call twice during that period. Like putting it all together, that's important when you're knowing your clientele. Like maybe your clients don't want that. Maybe they do. So it's just as much networking as it is market research. As a creative, we all have to be a market researcher. We all have to be an influencer. You got to be a good networker because all these skills pertain to, to me making money. Like it comes back to how I can charge people for my time. What is the product that I can provide and what that costs, what it's worth. And that scales with experience as well. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it sounds like definitely knowing your worth, but also putting together an offer that is relatable to the person that you're trying to get as a client. Absolutely. Yeah. To further answer your question, when it comes to like brand work, like if I'm doing a brand partnership for Instagram, I like to have a formula where I attach Mm. a cost to each piece of the ask. 
So if the scope of work is we need a video, like we need a reel, we want some photos, so we need a gallery, we want you to write copy, we want you to be exclusive with us for a month, two months. What is the value of each of those pieces of your service that you're providing? And like I said, that number is different for everybody. It changes with experience, it changes with the level of difficulty, mm-hmm. but that's a great way that I found to break down very large emails and conversations into very smaller, more manageable pieces, lowers your anxiety, lowers the stress, yeah. and makes it make sense for future conversations because it's really not about making money. You're not going to get rich off of one client. You're not going to get rich off of two clients. It's not about who you're working for. No matter how big the client, it's about how you're working with them. So I like to make it make sense for down the road. Okay, I'm going to charge you. $100 for this reel, $200 for this gallery, $100 for that copywriting, so that I know two months from now or six months from now, we work together again. I can pull that formula back up and either charge you the same because I'm the same or scale it based on my experience and my new connections, my new client list and such and so on. You know what I mean? That's, that yeah. keeps you together. It keeps things in order. Yeah, no, that is bar none, bro. That is great. Like people need that. That's really helpful info. The only thing I would add to that is pick non-round numbers. So pick like very specific numbers that like are not 200 and nothing against 200, but it's like, tell them I want 238.67. Yeah. And because it feels more real to, it feels more real to whoever you're giving that that invoice too and it'll get you more money just go ahead and just pick a number that feels fun obviously pick a number that's your worth but i'm saying like add like cents and non-round numbers to the dollars and then send it so i've seen it work many times it just it's a psychology thing people just believe it's more than it is so yeah that's why they don't use round numbers in, in, in stores. They always do 99. It makes you feel yeah. like you're getting a deal, but then you also add tax. Send it right, right. and add tax. They always make it more. Because you're going to have to pay him. You're going to have to pay him. <laughs> don't want his cut. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you, bro. I mean, we hit, we're at an hour right now, so I can just wrap it. If any, Everybody's been super engaged in here, so I just I always leave it open for a small like five minutes to see if there's any questions. When it comes to brand deals and clients, where is the best place to put your email? Well, you definitely want your email. You want to use the email button in your Instagram page. I like to put it in the bio as well because common sense isn't common. If you have a website, put it on there too. And then also have a contact page. And yeah, that's like the best way to just Hit them over the head, man. Hit it over the head. Just make sure it's in as many places as possible without being overwhelming. But those places that I just mentioned are the best places. And everyone that needed to find me has found me. But a lot of times they will just hit you in the DMs as well. So make sure you check your requests. Unless you just don't want to take DM requests at all. I respect it. But bio, email button, website. Keep those places for your email. Yeah. Yeah, I would only say for that, like if it's with clients, like brands are usually respectful, but clients sometimes don't know. You could always make a post and be like, this is how you book me and just Mm -hmm. show. One of my guests talked about that and how her bookings went nuts because she just told people like where to go and where to click and how to book and then it just went crazy, so. Yeah, we live in the era of instructional videos. (laughs) That's why I said common sense is common, man. You could make a video of just you going through your website and be like, Wow, the contact box is on the contact tab? That's crazy. I should use that. And all of a sudden, like you said, it blows up. I don't know. Help people out. Everybody's going through things. Maybe they just can't find it. Is it not smart to target entrepreneurs? Because they often don't have big budgets as a content creator. Well, depends on what you think a big budget is. Like I was saying before, there's opportunity to grow in every job that you do. But with experience, you should certainly limit your time for the things that you don't need to be doing anymore. With respect to everybody who's on the come up, like we're all at different places in our career and that's understandable. But you can work with entrepreneurs. If their budget is small, but their brand is large, that might be an opportunity for you to make a connection that you can further down the road. I've done that time and time again. I've done a lot of free work. I try not to do it anymore. But one thing I, I usually say to people is cheap work is better than free work. If you can do it for low, 
but not for free, that's better, especially if you see the value in the person. So I recommend that over, over just not working with people at all because the budget is small. If they're willing to pay you, consider it. Break it down. Like I said, build that formula of what your services cost, how much can you reduce it to accommodate this client. And if they're even below that, recommend somebody else. A lot of people find it very helpful to be do something in good faith like that. Pass it on to a homie that you know that is in their price range and that at least they'll know that you were helpful and that you have the know-how to connect them with other people and that you will not lower your price beyond a certain point. People respect that. So keep that in mind. Yeah, don't lower your price. It can only go up. But I think that's great. I think that's great advice. The only other thing I would add is there's always somebody who has the budget that you want in whatever niche that you're working in. And sure. that might be, you have to, that might be, you have to find them and how you might find them is going to events and finding that person or maybe running Facebook ads and targeting specific people. There's ways to do it. And there's people who have the budget, but I would challenge you to shift your thinking. That's what I would say. So I can wrap it unless you want to say anything else. I mean, if you want to tell us where people can find you outside of Instagram. Yeah, I man, I spend most of my time on Instagram, but y'all can follow me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, at Nikon Poppy. I have a website, Civil Creations. My last name is Civil. My name is Wildy Civil. So my business is called Civil Creations, and that's where, that is the umbrella for all my content creation and marketing services. And yeah, just reach out, man. If you need me for something, or if you just want to connect, send me an email, shoot me a DM. Email is better if it's work. But really happy that y'all jumped in. I'm happy that I can answer a couple questions. And hopefully I answered questions earlier in the conversation that people didn't have many at the end. But yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity to get on here with you, Kosh. And thank you for having me on, man. It's been great. Man, thank you for coming on. So once again, this is the Creative Breakthrough Podcast. I'm the host, Kosh. And if you want to stay in tune with these conversations, they come every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, but they will drop on all platforms on Mondays. And if you would like to listen, you can either join us live so you can follow me on Instagram or you can subscribe to the podcast. Creative Breakthrough is on all platforms. So, yo, Wieldy, thank you. Absolutely, bro. Appreciate you, though. Peace and love. Happy holidays. Be safe. Give the family my love. I'll talk to you you, soon.